Hello, everyone. We're back. You are stuck with me and Allie for another week. Allie, say hi. She roped me in once again with promise of Prosecco and other alcoholic beverages. And this time she got sushi. So, yeah. So we're having a meal together. I'm a cheap date. We're, we're literally having a meal together, which is you, if you listen to our last episode together, you know how hard that is for me. I'm, I'm very honored. I'm touched. Yeah, some intimacy issues. He also like hugged me while I was putting the sushi on my plate. And I'm like, whoa, too well, far. Well, it was actually while you were putting sushi in your mouth. But oh, <laughs> fair. You know what? Fair enough. It's like it's like the days when we were sharing customers' old food. Calamari, or just mixing the the new feature cocktail. It's just the rest, the remnant bottles of prosecco that have gone flat at the end of the night. Yeah, today Ali mixed red wine with rose prosecco. It's almost lambrusco. It's great. I don't even know what Lambrusco is, but... Says the bartender. I know. It's pretty pretty rough out here. Honestly, don't ask me to make you a drink unless you want a glass of Prosecco or a vodka soda. You're you fucked. probably make a mean vodka soda. I make a... All that shoeless work. I make a mean vodka soda. In like three seconds flat. Just like, how long does it take you? How long does a pop gun take? It's like <laughs> no vodka soda you've ever had before. It's just vodka. She makes it faster by skipping the ice. No, I put a little, you know, actually, vodka soda with a little coconut LaCroix, it, do, it doesn't get any better. Really? I've never tried that. You should. It, hits, it hits different. I can't do coconut. My my, my ex-fiance used to slather herself in coconut butter every time she would get out of the shower or coconut oil. So, like, it just kind of ruined coconut for me. I was about to ask, like, do you ever have, like, do you have a specific liquor that you associate with a human who broke your heart? Oh. You know, like the song "When I Taste Tequila," like yeah. I still see ya. I don't with a li- I don't with liquor, but any vegan food I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're like oh, the vegan food reminds you of that bitch. Well, yeah, but like I mean, so it's it's funny. There's um was a situation. So the girl I'm with right now, her um her ex, she wound up leaving her ex for me. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. a messy story, but. It was, uh, it, it all worked out in the end. We're all civil. We're all talking. We're all friends. Oh, um, okay. Wait, I think we need to fill the podcast in on the random day that you called me. Oh yeah. We'll and you were there. like, will you come? This was for the, uh, the icebreaker day. The first time that we the three of us are going to hang out. And I was like, this is going to be incredibly painful. So I needed somebody with sass that can date for fun to for- double up. And I called Mackenzie and then I was just, I got sick that day. So I didn't go and then it just never happened. And then we wound up like finding our solace. Yeah. Like, so over the phone. Oh, for anyone confused, Ali asked me to go on a date with his current girlfriend and her ex-boyfriend. That she left for me. That she left him for Allie. Yeah. Okay, wow, this is quite the love triangle. And I was like, I don't know why the fuck you would ever... I need a square. I don't I know why you would go out with the two of them to begin with. That's not a normal thing. Because they used to be my neighbors. But why Why does she need to speak to her ex, though? Well, no, because they, they had a they had a long relationship and it's lasting. And I mean, that's like, that, that ties into my whole vegan food parable. Uh, which is, well, not a parable, my whole vegan food analogy. Do you... Like, well, which is... No. I was living with that vegan girl when my now girlfriend was neighbors with her ex-boyfriend that she left me for. You um, love the fucking drama. I don't. 
But the thing that kind of like is a little gut wrenching to me, I guess, is that they're still civil and friendly, and I'm civil with like him as well and friendly. And when we first got to when I first got together with this girl, her ex called my ex, like so we used to be neighbors. Sorry if it's hard to keep track of. Um, it is. Yeah. Okay, so her. Okay, wait. Let's not get into all this like details. But so the whole point is my my ex fiance that I went vegan for for six years, you know, raised her nephew to the point where he called me dad a couple times. Um, okay, but has nothing nice to say about me and nothing. Yeah, but that's that's just life. But like that's seven and a half years. Okay, but what? whether you have something positive or negative to say, do you think is there a spot for your exes in your life? Because like I don't this wasn't even like in the things I wanted to talk about, but somehow it's come up. And like for instance, I have nothing but amazing things to say about my ex boyfriend. But should we ever speak again? No. Well, that's he's I'm out not, of my I'm life. Not, I'm not saying we need to speak again. But what I'm saying is it's. It's kind of gut wrenching to know that that's like there's that negative a connotation with the way things ended with us that she doesn't feel like like you know nothing was learned, nothing was gained, that there's nothing good. You don't know what she but from this everything I've heard has just been nothing but negative and I mean she stole all my stuff and threw out all my baseball stuff, so fuck her. Yeah, <laughs> I mean like I just feel like you need to move on and I find it Oh I've moved on plenty, but no, it's not you, but I just mean anyone who goes through a breakup and, like, how do you feel about your current girlfriend still speaking to her ex? I don't I don't care. Because for me, if something were to go south, if things were to go awry with me and my girlfriend right now, I'd like to know that there was still something gained from it yeah. that's positive and builds into your life as opposed to just saying this has all been, like, one big fucking disaster after another. Yeah, it's very interesting to me because I'm not a controlling person. I don't know how I'd feel about someone still talking to their ex, but I mean, I think my last relationship, like, he had friends who were girls or, like, but well, I, yeah, I don't that, know how I feel about, like, that, you're it's still that, it's that trust friends thing. with your, yeah, I mean, I guess I just wouldn't really think too much about it, but... I don't, it's an interesting topic. I still don't really know, like, where I stand on it. It'd probably be situational. Exactly. And, like, situationally right now, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. And, in fact, it, like, it makes me happy that she's not a spiteful, vindictive person towards her exes because I could be your ex one day, right? Yeah, this is such an important thing, the way someone speaks about their exes. That could very well be you. More than likely, that's going to be you one day. Well, I mean, I think it's okay to have negative things to say, but it kind of depends. You can always tell when it's, like, thought out, like, oh, you know, they had this problem and this is where... But when, when it's, like, they were, villain, they were evil or, like, they were... When you make your yeah. ex out to be a villain, you are removing all of your own personal responsibility from the downfall of the relationship. Yeah, because I... You are saying this had nothing to do with me, this is all them. Yeah, because I think when you go through any breakup, like any sane person should be able to look at their good qualities and their bad qualities. Don't be sad it's over. Be glad it's happened. Take something from it. If you take nothing from it but negativity, then you're the true fool because you've gained nothing from this period of time. On that note, let's get into the actual fucking episode. Hey. <laughs> you know what? Write down the cliches. <laughs> All right. So let's talk, you know, the elephant in the room, so to speak. Emotional availability. Or unavailability, uh, always being the elephant in the room. So, 
I know a myriad of women that are emotionally unavailable, quote unquote, but they're seeing six guys at the same time, sleeping with some of them, some of them they're just like kind of friends with and they're like, you know, full run like hand job, high school makeout buddy kind of thing. But they're like, oh, I'm emotionally unavailable, so I just do this. And then there will come the time when they want to be emotionally available because they really like somebody. And then they think they can just turn it on like a fucking switch. It's so interesting because even in my period of emotional unavailability, I would gravitate towards like situationship type things. And sometimes I would see, you know, everyone knows the two guys in the same building story, but I would kind of focus on like, I'm always driven towards connection. And I think most humans are. And even when I was emotionally unavailable, I wouldn't, I wasn't like, I can't have sex with someone I don't know. I don't like people are not porn. You can't just close the window after while you continue continue to feel like you let down your mother somehow. Like they're they're still there after you're done. You have to be able to talk to them. That's that's my big thing. I can't sleep with anybody I can't have a conversation with. Oh, absolutely same. Like I have never like gone home from a bar with a man and slept with him. And like no no hate if you've done that. Like I we all have rough nights, it's fine, but I just mean I like the connection is such a big thing for me, whether I'm seeing someone casually or not. Like you said, I have to be able to have a conversation with them. Well, even casually, you're still seeing them. You're still talking to them. You're still spending time in the same room with them. Right. And I like any man I sleep with, I want to be able to not be able to text them every day or whatever, but I want to have something I could say to them. Like I, I would want to tell them something like I would want to I would want to like them enough that I'm thinking you don't want to feel ashamed of yourself after you come and you roll over. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the pillow talking, it's like, get the fuck out of my apartment. Yeah, your pillow talk is like, hey, so uh, here's some cab fare. I'm really tired. I got an early meeting. Yeah, like, it, you want it to give you a situation that, you know, it's a little false sense of intimacy. Like, you can kind of fantasize about it, even though you don't really like it. Well, that I mean, much. that is intimacy in and of itself, right? Intimacy doesn't mean... I'm going to buy you a diamond and marry you on a beach in Hawaii. Intimacy is something, is a connection that you share with another person. Yeah, sometimes intimacy is just drunk missionary sex. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes intimacy can be anything from drunk missionary sex to going for a coffee to spitting in each other's mouths. It could be anything. Intimacy is a show of vulnerability that you trust the other person with, in my opinion, at least. Like, so for me, for example, if I'm like just casual with somebody and it's just like a hookup, I'm a lot more reserved than it's than when I'm with somebody I trust and care about. Because to me, that side is is one of my vulnerabilities. It's like a weakness to me. You know, it's something that I I only show to people that I trust enough to feel I can show it to. Yeah, you I think you see these kind of dynamics in more casual situations a lot where both people are I at least I think back to some that I've been in where we got really close but didn't necessarily define it. And I don't think either of us wanted to. And you are hiding a huge part of yourself from that person because they're I remember the just the situations I've been in, like everyone's trying to act tough. And that was like the whole thing. Like it was the ego was there. Yeah, it's just it's it's a dick measuring contest, right? With everybody. And 
like for, for me like a lot of th there's that whole taboo behind like human sexuality and like oh i'm not emotionally available but i'm hooking up but it's like you have to realize that anything that you do innately is kind of an intimate action so naturally what do you do you breathe you consume you shit you fuck to reproduce any of these four things are a vulnerability you need them and if not you go crazy like Think of it this way. You're in prison. You're put in Kingston Penitentiary. You're surrounded by rapists and murderers and violent offenders. What is the worst thing they can do for, do to you there? Put you in solitary. The worst thing they can do is take <laughs> you away from them. So there's, there, there's something kind of innately fucked up about us. But we have these primal urges and primal things we need to do. And we seem to suppress them and make a taboo about them and try to go deeper into them. No, if you're not emotionally available, you shouldn't be fucking six guys because you are showing an emotional part of yourself. You are numbing out one of your emotions. You are numbing out one of your innate responsibilities as a human organism. Yeah, and I think even if I think back to, like one thing that you said was it can be really hard to open up after you've been emotionally unavailable. And, you know, I wasn't out there fucking six guys or anything, but having like I also have like raging commitment issues but I think it became really hard when I still don't know if I'm at the point where I'm dating seriously per se but I'm trying to evaluate the situations I put myself in and if people are good for me and how like what role they play in my life and I found it was so hard to be open and vulnerable and like emotionally available and attentive and whatever and i wouldn't even know if i'm the issue or not it's i mean that's it's a good sign that you're getting there it's a start because you did put yourself in that emotionally unavailable category one thing you did do really well though was like you kind of took like a few months off everything right like you just kind of thought about yourself and now you're actually reflecting which is a good thing but I mean, don't think too much into it. It really is that simple. Like you haven't utilized these emotions. You haven't like used these muscles, so to speak, these emotional muscles in a while. And you can't expect them to be ready right away. Yeah. For background, I didn't take like a hard break from dating and everything, but I had not had a situation ship type thing for probably almost a year now. And I would go on dates here and there, but I didn't, I don't think I ever got past a first or a second. <laughs> And I just spent most of my time, you know, on weekdays, I'd either go out with friends or I'd learn to spend more time alone. And on weekends, I would just see my friends. So I had been very kind of shut off from things for a long time. And I wasn't trying to circle back with any men from the past, that kind of thing. Uh, what would you say in relation to that? Oh, but the taking a step back is good. But then it was also so hard at the same time. Like when I meet someone, cause you know how you get those girls where they romanticize every man that they meet? Well, I do the opposite. I fucking hate every man that I meet. Not like hate, but like, I don't see a connection. I don't- Well, you do the same thing, but just in like kind of, use the word again, the, in, in, in the antithesis, like- The opposite, like, yeah. yeah. You're you're like, you're the exact same, but you're the other you're the opposite side of the same coin you're putting a label on something you're, you're judging it before you even know it you're you're classifying and putting it in a group yeah so then i found when i would meet someone that i liked i wouldn't know i would get so overwhelmed 
Because I, I just got used to spending... Because you can't control how you feel about it? I just... I was getting... I used to have a bit more anxious attachments, but well, I've always been kind of disorganized, like anxious and then I get avoidant, but I used to lean a little bit more anxious. And I think a lot of this stems from family stuff, but I've become really avoidant and I've learned kind of my mechanism of survival has been having to shut off a lot of my feelings because dealing, trying to deal with those, like with my family, they I've never been able to figure it out. Like they've, it's never, it's always been a mess essentially. So I've had to kind of learn how to cope and deal with things on my own. So then going back into dating, the thought of well, even being anxious over a man would terrify me. Well, d- dating and your family upbringing are directly correlated. There's been a lot of research that shows that like there's, everybody knows about the whole, you know, the, the, Oedipus and the Electra complex where, you know, every guy marries his mother, every girl marries her father. That's, um, that's interesting because I've heard that, but I don't. Well, you do most of your learning. I've never, I've never. You followed... do most of your learning between the ages of, I think mean, it's like two and seven. Yeah. And between then your, your idea of what the ultimate providing male is and the ultimate nurturing female are your mother and father. And that becomes ingrained in you. It becomes ingrained in you while your while your neurogenesis is slowing down, and everything is kind of like locking in before puberty. Like so, these are really old, innate memories. Like the way your hand is positioned when you wipe your ass. That is something you learn when you're potty trained, and you do it the same. Okay, way I don't know where you're life. going with this. You date your concept of the perfect couple in the ideal relationship and partnership you said this in five ways of your parents but it five ways to the same answer i took health policy and it was the same thing if you're poor you're unhealthy if you're with somebody you're with one of your parents <laughs> yeah i know you've said this five times in five different ways but i spicy wow well i'm bad. just like what are you like what are you getting at you can only have so many analogies to get across the same point i know but i'm making the exact same point because you keep you ask the same question well i no, i was just saying in like respect to that i haven't had that experience well you can either do you'll either do your parents or the antithesis of yeah i feel like i but it, there's always a correlation to it but i guess i don't know because i grew up with my mom and my stepdad so and your stepdad would be who you emulate as the ideal male. Maybe, maybe that was it. Cause I, certainly not my dad. No, <laughs> if, he didn't, if he didn't raise you, that's different. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. That is like an interesting kind of thought experiment. And I, I think that's why men with mommy issues always like girls who are mean to them. I mean, yeah, that's why. Girls with daddy issues. First of all, I'd like to take a moment to thank all the horrible fathers out there. But, oh my um, god! <laughs> no, edit that. Out. Um, it can stay. No, it can't. They're not that. <laughs> they're not that serious. It's um, fine. Yeah, I mean they're great, but no, <laughs> like that. That that's where the whole thing with daddy issues stems from, right? Like you're trying to like impress or whatever subconsciously your father and what. And that's how you can do it. And nobody really looks at it from the male perspective. Like, what does a guy do if his mom's a dick? 
Well, what about, like, I have daddy issues, but, like, my stepdad, like, I woke up to him fucking dead one morning, and my actual dad I told never to speak to me again. So I don't know how, like, I'm trying to impress anyone out I'm here. I'm trying to impress, but, like, make peace with in your own way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about, and I guess for anyone listening, well, for everyone listening, <laughs> this is why you should work through this shit, so then you're not projecting it onto you can't run away from your problems and numb them out with drugs and alcohol you just put them on the shelf and then they come back later you can put the lid on the jar but then that jar is going to fall off the shelf you're going to take it out on like your child or your wife or your dog or your boss or oh that's such like a tough thing because i think for a long time i was kind of doing that but it was disguised as being very fun and I had so many aspects of my life together, so no one really saw it as a problem. Mm -hmm. But, and I even have reevaluated a lot of things that I was doing, like dating advice I was giving, how, like the kind of men I was meeting and how I would connect or not connect with people. And it really was kind of like, I need to work on a few things. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, it was an overwhelming thought. And even what you said, with the projecting, I'm like the number one thing like I never want to do is project this onto children one day. You will if you don't like deal with it. Yeah, of course. Or and... you'll project it on your spouse or on your employer or when, I know. You're, when you're like a big powerful corporate lawyer on your client that can't afford to lose you. Or you, you take it out, basically like we take out our shit on the people we know will not that we know for the most will not leave us. Yeah, I think even... That's why we pay therapists. Because we know they're not going to leave us. We're paying them to bitch at them. Yeah, my last relationship, I definitely took out a lot on him. And I, it made me kind of have to reevaluate some of that as well. And I think for a long time, because he would always be there for me and do whatever I wanted meeting men after i would always think oh well like why isn't why isn't he just doing this for me like why would he say no he doesn't like me enough and it was like that was not a normal dynamic i was in no not at all and i mean we all we all have expectations from relationships but one thing we realize is the things we expect and the things we idealize aren't actually the things that make us happy and the little things the little nuances that are like they seem like minor red flags that pop up at the beginning of the relationship become big deal breakers at the end <laughs> that's an interesting thought okay everyone quick episode this week mostly because i am giving mental illness and i don't know if i am in a place to comment on anything at this point in time in my life but <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of there too. This was kind of a, a stretch for me too. <laughs> but you know, we had our prosecco, we had our sushi, and these are the topics that we're giving thoughts on tonight. And we honestly had a bunch more, but I just want to give you guys my top tier vibes. So we are going to cover that in an episode real soon. And we'll probably spend more time laying down the groundwork for it because I feel like we're uh, we're hitting the groove. So that's good. We're hitting a groove. Whatever whatever that means, it's it's grooving. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it means. We hit the groove, so now we're grooving. Yeah, so... That's pretty groovy. Love you all. Your reminder, 
rate and review this podcast only if you're giving it five stars obviously send in your questions to tasteofblonde at gmail.com and just send me all your love and keep me in your thoughts and prayers thank you bye ali say bye toodaloo